Hello, everyone. Welcome Hi. to Struggle Session. Hello. I'm, I'm Leslie Third. I'm Jack Allison. And I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And today with us, the host, the very special host of the Michael Brooks Show, Mr. Michael Brooks. Guys, great to be with you. Thanks for coming on, man. It's always good to chat with you. Always a pleasure. And so on this episode, um, we were thwarted by um, technology, the powers that be, um, the people mm. trying to shut us down. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to stop to us on this down. one. They yeah, yeah, yeah. They try to signal. kill profit. <laughs> yeah, so they, they came after us. They, we had a lot of technical difficulties. So this was, we tried to record this uh, last week, uh, af- right after the Oscars, back when people still uh, cared about the Oscars for those five minutes. And we were specifically going to talk about how the Oscars don't matter. And since, you know, it's been a week, that topic is even more appropriate because now everybody's completely forgotten about the Oscars by now. What are the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did we think of this? What did we think this year, guys? Did you did anyone actually watch the Oscars? I did watch the Oscars, but did anyone else here watch this uh, terrible show? Fuck no. <laughs> I was watching clips on YouTube. No, no I, I did not watch the Oscars. In fact, I was actually in um, New Jersey that day. I had something to do out there. And I was taking the um, the train back into the city, and you know, I and I hadn't been on my phone all day, so I was like checking my texts and all of my shit. And I saw on Twitter that people were tweeting about the Oscars, and I was like, "Oh, word, okay." <laughs> so that's like my level of disconnect. <laughs> oh, cool! It's the the, the Oscars. I yeah, actually right. Okay. I went out of town with my girlfriend for a couple of days, and I could not have been happier because I live, I live about two miles from the. It's not called the Kodak Theater anymore. Now it's the. It's is it still the Dolby Theater? Or I believe it's the Dolby. It's yeah. the Dolby. I don't know. It'll have a new owner, and it'll probably be the Ten Cent Theater in a couple of years. <laughs> but it, it's the traffic. No matter what is some of the worst in LA and like much worse than Obama traffic much worse than well whoa, whoa, whoa. that is not fair that's not fair Oscar's, Oscar's traffic, traffic is worse is than Obama traffic nowhere near Obama traffic well it's not localized okay Obama traffic is shitty throughout the whole city but Oscar's traffic if you're in that area you just can't drive they tow every car yeah. Uh, for basically three miles, there are snipers on top of every building. The entire wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. oh my god, Jesus snipers! Christ. Oh, the yeah, sec- they, yeah. Every year, the security gets crazier and crazier as less and less people watch. It's actually wait, very wait, wait, funny. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, are you serious? There's security yeah. for the Oscars? Yeah, not just. He's not what? joking. Like, there are snipers. Like, like SWAT I, I teams. Worked for, I worked for the Oscars. Like, yeah, there are straight up like snipers positioned <laughs> on the roof. Are dudes and stuff coming like for Jimmy that. Kimmel? Are dudes, com- are dudes coming for Jimmy Kimmel? Or something? <laughs> or something? I, I think it's I think it's if one of the celebrities starts to say something too far on live television. That's what I think they're up there for. Oh, so wow. that's not- I could see that Leslie, your nation of Islam stuff has really been wearing on these on these white guys. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be see, the real reason that the sniper's there <laughs> is what if they say the truth? <laughs> you know, are you the- kidding? 
that does bring up something because I always wonder, like, you know, some, why in the past, you know, 20, 25 years, nobody said anything at the Oscars about Harvey Weinstein except, I think, Courtney Love on the red carpet one time. And I guess I know I have my answer. They were going to uh, pop him right quick. If they did. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Harvey has ex-Massad agents on the roof of the Dave and Buster's. Jesus Christ. There's nothing, could you imagine anything like more disgusting than like a fusion of like sex predator and Mossad? <laughs> yeah, Harvey Weinstein like uh, uh, is the convergence of like a lot of really disgusting vectors. The uh, He's a pretty yeah, fucked up really, Venn diagram. Yeah, like if you were writing a screenplay, he'd have to not be that dude because it's too obvious, right? Like you'd have to do a flip at the end where you'd be like, Oh, he's actually like not a grotesque predator. He's just like a fucking obnoxious producer. But you know, guys, I think that um, the Harvey Weinstein uh, story broke when we were recording our first. That's right. Together, it's how wow. it happened. And let me tell you, Michael, as a Jew, it is very weird to see a human caricature of one of Hitler's ideas of what Jews are personified in this fucking creep. Like, oh yeah, they Jews uh, rape your women, they smell, they're morbidly obese, and they uh, take all your money and don't give a shit about anything but themselves. Yeah, And I'm like, hey, this is not helping. I remember that fucked up Nazi propaganda of a Jew jerking off into a potted plant. That was... uh... (laughs) So, with the, the Oscars this year, I didn't watch it either, but I heard enough to know I have no interest in it. The thing, but I saw the going, I did see the Golden Globes and it was just a like litany of like rich and famous people kind of patting themselves on the back because this year is the year they decided to no longer protect serial sexual predators right right for a financial well, game yeah <laughs> but, well, i thought the oscars were strange I, I actually did watch the oscars i'm gonna be the one you know normie loser here uh, uh on this podcast that did watch the oscars and what i thought was strange about the oscars is it still had that feeling of somberly patting oneself on the back but they weren't saying anything nobody yeah. was like really making any sort well, of major was... statements they just sort of like acted like uh like statements have been made and here mm-hmm. we are to like celebrate ourselves for you know that thing in the past yeah no this this have been made yeah. <laughs> this was name. that's a good name for a podcast <laughs> This was the death of the corporate Me Too movement, without a doubt. I mean, this is Ryan Seacrest on the red carpet, <laughs> Kobe, Pri- Kobe Bryant and Gary Oldman getting these awards, Francis McDormand talks about inclusion riders, which no lawyer in Hollywood will ever legally enforce. It's very, very obvious now that all of this chaos was for show, so the Weinstein company could be sold, and now that the sale fell apart, it's just over. That was it. Uh, it was isn't, all. Isn't it was the all sale transactional. Still happening now, isn't it? Like, no. Aren't they still going to do the female reboot of the no, Weinstein it's company? Dead. She pulled uh, out. They're going into bankruptcy. I mean, that was about as neoliberal as it gets. So I was kind of excited to see that the the all woman reboot of the Weinstein company, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess uh, you know they couldn't get it pulled together. The whoever the former the Obama, oceans, but... the oceans eight of like sex predator. <laughs> turnaround. Well, it was Ron I Burkle think... too, who you know has the was known for you know he's the billionaire who had a plane uh, that Bill Clinton was on. He was always partying with young women on them. They called it Air Fuck One. Oh my plane. god, <laughs> Ron Burkle plane. 
And I mean, Obama, or, uh, I Clinton's got to stay off these private planes. Clinton is just, just never should never get on a private plane. Fly United. I love them. <laughs> I I just think I just think though that it's like you. I guess I mean, I I actually did the one thing that I did see now from the Oscars that I remember is I did see that moment where um and this is terrible. I'm, I actually like her, but I don't remember her name. Uh, she's an actress who's in um, uh, Empire and uh, oh, Taraji P. Taraji uh, Henson. Yeah, yeah, I think that's her name. And she, uh, she uh, basically, I saw a clip of her with Ryan Seacrest, and he was asking her a question, and she said something like, you know, something to the effect of like things have a way of coming back on people, and then she gave him a smirk and like tapped his chin, and it was like, you know that definitely went through wild, like wildfire in the corner, kind of like, you know, normia sphere. But at the same time, you know, like I can recognize cool is cool. What, like sometimes cool things, nobody's picking up on. Sometimes there's consensus. Cool. That was pretty cool. He certainly looked really uncomfortable, but, but Michael, like Michael, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To spo- scenario. Michael, I have to spoil this. For Leslie, you. don't do it. You I have, have to do this. You, I'm you don't so have sorry. to do this. Oh, Leslie. You, I'm sorry. I'm, you, I'm sorry. But Taraji was you. actually voicing support. She was. For Ryan Seacrest, she made this clear after the fact. Seriously, she she, she it said didn't look like that. It, no, she said she was saying and, you know things have. A, she didn't say things have a way of coming back. She said things end up working out for the good people and you know go, coming back on the bad people. But the good people was Ryan Seacrest. She actually clarified this later that she was actually in support of Ryan Seacrest and like made a statement yeah. that was just All like, right. well, whatever. And the bad <laughs> person is the... You're not going to do yeah. that. I'm so sorry, my family. Still, uh, it's such a no, shame. I mean, so I, Michael, I'll, you know, I'll just live. basically, Leslie just was basically doing that to say that, you know, even the thing that you did like about the Oscars, unfortunately, you did not like it. That's fine. She's still like top 10, 40 over 40. Um, <laughs> and I still even like Stacey Dash. So it's fine. Um, I like Stacey Dash. She, uh, I'll vote for Stacey Dash. As Stacey as I can. Dash. She, I'm actually worried right. Stacey oh. Dash could win because there's this small but rising bubble of of libertarians in LA, and this is granted. This is an unincorporated neighborhood outside of of the you know Hollywood downtown sort of uh, TMZ, for lack of better disgusting phrase. But I think that Stacey Dash has a bizarre chance. I mean, it, it, I think that she will likely lose, but that the vote will be a lot stronger for her than yeah. even she expected. I, I was just vote, joking about I, voting for, St- for Stacey Dash. <laughs> I, I'm more of a Cynthia Nixon guy myself. Mm, she's right. she's think, actually yeah, exactly. pretty dope. I think she'll get crushed. But I do. I, my only other thought, though, just kind of big picture, I think this is something else that we've talked about before. But just like this... I was. I want to connect it with this this interview I just read with Steve Bannon, and Bannon's doing this like European fascism tour right now, mm. and you know, there's this headline of this article he gave to the Spectre, and the headline is like irresistible because he basically said like I think Mussolini's a fascinating guy, and women liked him, and I'm really interested in him, which of course like everybody is going to flock to because it's like. You know, I mean, look, it's a disgusting thing to say, and Steve Bannon's an absolutely disgusting person. Mm-hmm. But if you read the whole article, the problem is that Steve Bannon, in his, you know, all the adjectives that people throw around about him are true. Like, he's racist, 
He's overrated, by the way. He's like, yeah. he's smart compared to what? A bunch of like neoliberal like, yeah, right, completely right. divorced from reality. Or the president's but kids. But he has some instincts. <laughs> yeah. But the, problem the idea of that, Steve Bannon being you know, a he, genius is more a reflection on all the people who think he's a genius, I think. It's a reflection on the people who think he's a genius, and it's also a reflection on the people who couldn't observe the obvious things that <laughs> he picked up on because they were so in their, you know, elite uh an economically elite uh, bubble. But, but the point is, is like, he's, he's talking about, he's still saying like, you know, he's talking about predatory elites. He's even throwing some shots of capitalism, which are disingenuous because at the end of the day, he would do nothing about those things. He's not talking about labor unions or any real counterweight, but he still has his finger on the pulse. What you just see across the globe. And the thing that's funny is I think like, even the difference, between like several years ago and I think Obama really wore it out like the last of this impulse for younger people especially you know a lot of you, you still might be disgusted by Hollywood you still might be disgusted by you know Wall Street and all of these elite places but there was still some sense of like we're all looking in on this spectacle and even as we're disgusted by it maybe we want a part of it and I just think increasingly, like, there's something comical about it. Because, I mean, look, obviously millions of people still watch. It matters. There's a huge amount of money. There's snipers. But <laughs> there's this other element where there's this other Fewest snipers like, ever. This big spectacle. There's this big spectacle, and nobody cares about the Oscars. Like, we're all just going about yeah. our day. And then it's like, oh, you guys are fucking weird. Who cares? And I, I think that that's increasing on every across all of these things, mm-hmm. you know? I think that the best thing that they could do with the Oscars, if they don't want people to grow to hate the Oscars much more than they do already, is to stop televising the Oscars. I think that you need to just Mm. make it a little trade show in Los Angeles where everyone gets together and awards each other, and then there's like a news article the next day that's like, here's who won the Academy Awards. Like... Stop televising this thing. Make it just like an industry event. And then maybe people will be like, we want to see it. And then you can start televising yeah. it again. But it's, in the short term, well, like... I think that it, that's true, yeah. Yeah, like it, it, it's not like... It's not fun to watch like this party get thrown by the people who are celebrating themselves. Like It, it is just like this like disgusting display of opulence, uh, uh you know, and and that becomes you know less and less, uh, uh, more and more distasteful. I, I would say as time goes on, and as this idea of uh, uh, you know uh, elites, uh, uh, you know, jumps into our minds. I don't know. It's just unpleasant to fucking watch. I, this. I, I I think it's also the other problem is from an entertainment perspective. Like if you if you go back, like you know, it was a little bit probably like you know like. Like when Howard Stern was like really in his heyday, it was like a little bit before our times. But like, if you listen, I go back on, on YouTube and I listen to stuff from like the eighties and like the early, mid, late nineties. And like part of what made him funny was that like, even back then it really was like a problem. Like when he sent out stuttering John to go ask like some celebrity offensive questions that really bothered people. Right. And now I think it's like, the culture has also absorbed that. So now it's like, remember that thing several years ago where it was like, supposedly, oh, Ricky Gervais went to the Golden Globes and he right. owned all these people. But it was like, that was, whether, I don't know, maybe the first one wasn't planned, but no, it, it was all just like, oh, well, we got to rebook Ricky Gervais to do yeah. that again. So even like the sense that like, 
it's also like it isn't special. It doesn't have this, you know, grandeur um, of like, you know, before we were born of like the 60s or something. Maybe there was some sense of like, oh, this is a really special, exciting thing. And it also has sort of like weirdly absorbed this irony and kind of mm-hmm. made it its own annoying thing. So like everybody's in on the joke and every, except yeah. they're not because nothing is actually provocative or challenged. So well, it's and that, self-satisfied, smug and sanctimonious at the same time. Yeah, that reminds me of, of that old Onion article from I think maybe 10 or 15 years ago where Marilyn Manson was going door to door showing everyone his dick or impaling him, his, his nipples on, on crucifixes. It's like, attempt to still offend people. It's not, it's very hard. People just don't get offended by anything. And we are, we are numb to it. Like we are numb to offense. And if anything, we get a chuckle out of it. And people are now expected exaggeration and you know they they don't expect to get truth from politicians they only expect embellishment they only expect theater and so look the real real truth is that no one is ever really offended but everyone just like knows that it's like fun to be offended sometimes like we remember what it used to be like to be offended so sometimes we like have to be like let's get worked up and be offended right now i think i think a lot of it is this sort of attempt from and and you know you see this on on elements of the left and the right not to go all horseshoe theory but there are people who feel like decency is gone and we just have to take back decency so there are these moral panic pushes where someone says something fucking stupid and then they get you know publicly humiliated for 3 days straight by elements of the media and people on Twitter and Facebook and then they get bored, move on, and someone else pisses them off. And it's very clear that the offensive thing said, even if it is offensive and shitty, is not worthy of the reaction it gets. But like, let's I'm be not clear gonna... here. It is good also to own these people. Of like, course it's Barry good Weiss own... deserves yes. everybody calling her a fucking idiot every time right. she says something that, you know, reveals that she's a fucking idiot. You right. know what I mean? But so I'm not going to let... Barry Weiss I... deserves to be called being a fucking idiot even when she says nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she should be point... She should have... Fucking eggs chucked at her. But my point is, is yeah. that with with Barry Weiss, I'm not gonna spend my entire fucking day being mad about the fucking right. New York Times. I don't. Right. You know, well, no, it's more I, I gotta push Barry back. Weiss is just like, I, sorry, I, go ahead. I, <clears throat> push me. back, please. I do. I do gotta push back because every time I think about the New York Times and who they hire and that they find the absolutely positively dumbest motherfuckers in the world to pay six figures to write articles for them. That does make me very upset. Uh, um, yeah, but that's upsetting if you care about the New York Times. No, it, it, <laughs> it upsets me because I because like millions of people read it and there's right. no similar outlet with actually with smart motherfuckers writing well, and that's, for it. So that's the new op-ed editor, the last he, he's gotten in trouble because he's doing this diversity of thought bullshit which nobody buys anymore. Nobody actually believes these people actually care about it. It's weird how there's no one um, from the left on that editorial board if they want diversity of thought. Diversity of thought is always like, what is the mainstream consensus position of like a bizarre slice of Westchester and the Upper West Side of like people (laughs) who are like, like super on point with like a couple of narrow social issues that will like, literally defend Israel doing absolutely anything, anything possible on the planet and then have like hysterics about some fucking dumb campus story, which <laughs> nobody should be paying attention to because, but, but, you know, here's the difference though. I think like 
I think two things about this. One, I think big picture, I mean, and, you know, I, I try to balance this on my show and, and on Majority Report and other, like, part of it is, like, you know, dunking on people and in the culture, whether it's sports, politics, entertainment, whatever, like, that can be fun, and there's an entertainment value to it. Um, it's cathartic. I think, though, but there's also, yeah, but there, definitely. But there's also a part of it, though, where it's, like, I think it reflects, like, a sense of like total lack of power. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Turkey's going into Afrin right now. It's fucking obscene and disgusting. They're going after YPG. Mm -hmm. They're have, you know, proxy forces that are promising to rape uh, women. Um, The Kurds are not perfect, but they're certainly like the only element of the, that of any faction fighting in Syria, which people on the left could, you know, in any way get behind, be interested in what they're doing. I cover that. I talk about it. I want to expose it. There's a lack of, you know, power over it. And then we, Mm -hmm. all the other things that we're fighting and struggling on, I think we can actually win at the end of the day, but they're fucking daunting. You know what I mean? Like this extinction of species, fucking, you know, capitalism, inequality. And so I think people get a little bit too like, well, you know, the world is ending, I can like, you know, dunk on fucking Sally Albright. And the reality <laughs> is, is like, you know, the, that she doesn't matter. Right. They, the, the only difference, and so a lot of that stuff really does become kind of like a social media waste of time unless yep. you're cheating it purely yes. as a That joke. said, I think in the New York Times case, it's mm. a little different because of what Leslie said. Like that editorial actually, like almost that is one of the few things left that has any type of mass imprint, like everything else or not everything else, but so many things are just like kind of micro celebrities and micro, whatever the fuck term we want to use. Like people have influencers, kind of like baby. Influencers is the term. But that's we millions have, of people and that matters. You know, it's, it still has a prestige. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we've been talking about uh, the Oscars for 30 minutes. We haven't mentioned the movies at all yet. <laughs> Not we can single, always that, edit. Was, that was my strategy because I think I've only seen one of them. <laughs> so I have. I've seen them all. I have seen Get Out, and that's it. Um, and I. And yeah, so- exactly. That's me too. <laughs> oh, so uh, were any of these movies good for the uh, people who actually watched them? So yeah. I've oh, oh you go ahead Jack. go ahead because I, I think we have uh, I think you've seen more of them I've seen only a couple but uh, I've you, seen you go first. almost all of the movies at this point thanks to uh, I'm in the SAG-AFTRA which is a broken union but I get screeners which is nice uh, the reason the union is broken is because people only care about the screeners <laughs> yeah that's it it's just designed the entire purpose of, of it's a <laughs> DVD movie. subscription club uh, yeah, SAG-AFTRA <laughs> it's Netflix with a very bad health plan. Uh, so look, let's start with I guess you know Shape of Water. We called on this show yes. that that movie would win Best Picture thanks to its circle jerking of Hollywood history, thanks to its very sort of centered, uh, you know, rationality and love conquers all themes, and thanks to Russian boogeymen. Uh, so I just Is that was inevitably a fish and indirect defense of Harvey Weinstein. Well, yeah, weird sex. <laughs> Weird sex, which everyone right. in the Academy right. likes. Uh, right. You know, it's just... God, it's Del Toro's worst movie, and it's a courtesy Oscar. 
But I can't think of anything else that I would call. I mean, I think that I think that I haven't even seen The Shape of Water yet. Uh, And you know, I think that you know Del Toro deserved it for Pacific Rim, and so uh, you know maybe this (laughs) is just reparations for that. Uh, But Pan's Labyrinth, baby. It does feel like Shape of Water was one of these movies that was like the the Oscar not taking a stance kind of choice. Uh, this happens a lot at the Oscars where it's like there's a lot of stuff in the air around a certain subject or politics, and are the Oscar voters going to uh, you know take a stance? And typically they do what they did this year, which was instead pick a movie about celebrating the movies and take no stance at all. But that's the, that's the safest thing to do. That's why The Artist won. That's why Argo won. Uh, it's just a very Argo very... was a great one because it was like a crossover of like kind of bad politics and also um, celebrating the film industry. Yes, is the See, CIA you know, and you know Hollywood? What's frustrating about Argo to me though is that like I totally like you know the the critique and the propagandistic efforts for both CIA and Hollywood are obvious. But I also just appreciated that movie because I was just like, fuck, like, thanks. You know, basically, like, this is just competent. And <laughs> yeah, I can enjoy it, it, it for two hours. Like, I really appreciated that. It was uh, an engaging story. It was well-modulated. And I, I say that a lot like, about movies is, like, the, the highest praise I can give to a movie is, like, I just didn't get, like, bored while I was watching it. <laughs> like, I wasn't, no, exactly. like, actively, like... Exactly. Unlike I didn't like actively dislike the movie, so I guess that means it's good. Yeah. Uh, but that, but that, that that's Get all out, that we can like, like hope for me, is yeah, Get Out lived up to the hype. Get Out is good. Get Out is good. Yeah, I'm glad Get Out got got best screenplay. I think it did have the best screenplay. Uh, maybe second to Lady Bird until the last 15 minutes. The last 15 minutes of Lady Bird really just sucked out all the enthusiasm I had for the film. I really, really mm. enjoyed it. It's it's it reminded me of like it's it's bizarre that it's considered an indie prestige film at all because to me it's like just a very good teen movie, and then it be tried to be more. Uh, have you have you all seen Lady Bird yet? No, no, nope. no. Never... All right, well, you're never Dude, gonna see. I, it. I really only get out, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll spoil it. She, at the last fifteen yeah, minutes. Please. Last 15 minutes, she breaks her family's heart. And the family, it's an ensemble film. It's not just about this girl, Christine, who calls herself Lady Bird. But Greta Gerwig thinks it is. So even though everyone loves the movie for all these characters, Gerwig can't help herself but to make this Lady Bird character. I mean, she named the movie after her, even though that itself was a mistake. It's an ensemble film that veers wildly off course. And in the last 15 minutes, she betrays her family, uh, bankrupts them, basically, by going to NYU... And then the last 15 minutes is her, like, prancing around and drinking in New York and celebrating being free from Sacramento and everything, how terrible it is there. But, I mean, like, the sequel is just her getting Sounds knocked like up by a BuzzFeed writer. Blue, yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. The, the sequel yeah, is just her getting yeah. knocked, knocked up by a BuzzFeed writer and then, like, I, I don't know, starting a fucking mommy blog or something in Park Slope. It was and just... then the third one, she gets put in a gulag. <laughs> I'll write a spec for that. Yeah, uh, this so this I one like, takes place five years in the future. Uh, you know, it was interesting Peel to potatoes. see. potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was interesting to see like Spielberg and Christopher Nolan get pretty much snubbed. Dunkirk got best sound design. I don't know why. I couldn't hear the movie. It's just a bunch of blah, like in most Christopher Nolan movies, but he just ramp, ramp, ramps it up to ten. Uh, I miss Memento. I want stories about people again, damn it. Darkest Hour, though, yeah, is that... interesting. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, that dude's very aggressive with the sound. Was it was Dunkirk was the one that like all of like the little twerps like that was like the Ben Shapiro like then if Ben if Dunkirk doesn't win then yeah it's, it's, it's nah, nah, well, right okay got it. it's World War Two porn yeah. uh, right, what's weird right, right, right. and and you could actually watch it back to back with Darkest Hour which is also about everything leading up to Dunkirk both movies are about Dunkirk just ones from the perspective of Churchill and ones from the perspective of the guys on the ground and in the air and the sea but what's interesting about Darkest Hour is that it's very, very similar. It's basically a not-as-good phantom thread. The whole movie is just about Winston Churchill being a massive piece of shit to everyone he knows and loves, but in the end, he pulls it together and, you know, does everything he needs to do, and the whole movie is people going, that's the guy who fucked up Gallipoli, or he's not nice to women, or blah, 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 blah. And, and in a weird way, it feels almost apologetic for, like, the Weinsteins of the world, because it, 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 it's a very common TV and film trope where, you know, the most obvious recent example is House on TV with, with Hugh Laurie, where it's like, this guy's a total piece of shit. He's addicted to drugs. He's mean. He's surly. He's like, has no boundaries. But you know what? He's the best he is at what he does, and nobody can do it, <laughs> so they call on him. And so seeing that with Churchill, seeing that trope that you see in a lot of cop shows and in a lot of doctor shows and it's just a very common hollywood individualist right. attitude and actually you, you know this is one of the reasons why i love phantom thread actually and i think that phantom thread has gone you know uh, pr pretty undiscussed this year despite the fact that it's a, a, a i think of like an extremely relevant movie that is like instead of celebrating this kind of like difficult person who's an asshole to everyone but gets the job done it's kind of like an indictment on that like type of person and specifically that kind of creativity um i think that there's a, a lot of i mean i love phantom thread i could talk about phantom thread forever uh, uh we but, should do one <laughs> but i think i it's the one i think should have won but you know uh, um i think there's you know there's a lot going on in phantom thread that is like an indictment of like people like harvey and actually even of uh, uh of daniel day lewis himself i don't think it's any coincidence that like P.T. Anderson, after working with Daniel Day on There Will Be Blood, like, made a movie about a guy, like, you know, on There Will Be Blood, he was method and, a, you know, a jerk to everyone because he was being method all the time. Their next movie together is about a guy who thinks it's, like, cool to be a jerk uh, because he's, like, such a talented, creative professional. And after that move, after they made the movie together, Daniel Day-Lewis is like, I quit acting. I'm never going to act again. So I'm like, I'm like, so man, like, P.T. Anderson, like, got him... So bad in that movie, he, like destroyed him. He's not quitting. Are you kidding me? He'll just show up. You know, he's gonna I spend actually, seven you know, years. I was thinking, uh, I think uh, on the wire, the McNulty character actually did a really. I don't even think they were trying to do it, like because you know they were, they weren't necessarily concerned about that. But they did a really good job of that. Was a character who was like, yeah, he was smarter than you know pretty much everybody else. And he saw like what needed to happen and he was pretty on point. He was also just like constantly fucking everything up and causing problems for people and just being a dick that had like diminishing returns. Um, I mean, great returns and diminishing returns. They did. They thought they did that really realistically. Like in any other show, it's just like, Oh, you know, he's, he's lovable. He's drunk. And on that show, he's super lovable, but he's also just like, yeah, like you're like, like there's points in that show where you're just like, 
I think that the corrupt bureaucratic chain of command needs to just like punish him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in the pilot, in in the pilot, he's sleeping with the DA, you know, or the, is it the oh, city yeah, attorney? He's, all, he's causing, I mean, and even and in the fifth season, they made it go like a little bit overboard with the, they, they kind of made the, the his, uh, what he did in that season was pretty extra. But in the first four seasons, just a lot of like, constant, just sort of like this obsessiveness of like, oh, this guy saved my career, but I'll fuck him over to you know, go after a target that I'm just like personally obsessed with. <laughs> and then on the other hand, he's like totally right about everything. You know, just, I don't know. This I, is very well done. I'm just so bummed out that uh, Wendell Pierce, the actor who played Bunk, he beat up like some woman in a hotel because she supported <laughs> Bernie know, Sanders. <laughs> yeah. It breaks my I heart. Oh, like, it's so brutal. He's, he's on the Clinton like Foundation. Bunk is a dark horse for my favorite character on that show. It's, it's a bummer. It's such a drag. You have to bummer, separate man. the art from the artist, you know. Uh, <laughs> to a point. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so we didn't see... I, or yeah, did at least you see he didn't I, jerk off in a plant in front of him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the, moral, the moral scale slide, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big one. <laughs> so do we see I, Tanya? Or am I the only one who saw I, Tanya? I didn't see it. I liked Mm-mm. it. No. It's, it's fun. It's not... Okay, so there's like an element of it that feels a little bit like a white trash minstrel show where sure. you have like Alice and Janney wearing, you know, fake oxygen and pretending to live in like abstract, you know. Right, it's like Oscar bait up. Joe Dirt kind of a yeah, little bit. Kind of. It, it, there, it is. <laughs> it's, it's Joe Dirt as a historical biopic about ice skating. And, I, and it's fun. Uh, I didn't really love the ending, but like the, the movie is so funny. It, it has a lot of dark comedic elements. You should just I, start I, leaving the theater early, I think, Jonathan. Yeah, just leave the last 10 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Just leave 15 minutes early you with every... Just, uh, with every I don't want to ruin it. Well, no, <laughs> the, last, the last 15... I mean, the last five minutes... I mean, the movie ends with her being a celebrity boxer. So I just thought that was like a weird, just kind of bizarre way to... She did, so that's true. I know, so. but you could have ended it... I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It just it, it's it was real. It just felt like cinematically kind of janky, especially because the whole thing's done in like a fake docu style. But I really loved. And full disclosure, I have a friend who acted in it, I and mean, we're not super close. I haven't seen a guy in a couple of years. But uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who played Tanya's uh, really shitty bodyguard, was very, very, very funny in the movie. Um, that, and that's your friend. Yeah, he's like a super going, super. Paul. He's like a super Christian guy, but like a really interesting, funny, smart guy. I was going to say what draws me to that movie is I like, um, I like movies that sort of, and I could be wrong because I only read a few reviews, but I like, I like sort of like movies and themes. And, and Adam Curtis actually deals with this a lot in his documentaries, like conspiracies that become real. Not yeah. because there actually is something, but because a bunch of like crazy and or stupid people have latched onto something. And then all of a sudden, like there is something that arises out of nothing. And then you are actually really talking about sort of, you know, like paranoia kind of fueling something. And it, it seems to some extent that that was, you know, kind of like some of the dynamic that was going on there on like a smaller scale. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, it's very, but with all s- these movies, uh, even as we're like going through them, it just feels to me like every year we have these Oscars movies. Everyone talks about like these like six movies, and then we like 
never ever think about or speak about them ever again for the rest the of point. our lives. Yeah, that's the point because the studios used to make the studios used to not separate Oscar bait from from films that were for a mass audience that people actually here's, cared about. Here's another suggestion I have for for the Oscars. My my first for fixing the Oscars is don't televise them. My second one is don't award a best picture every year. Only do it if there was a best picture that year. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we don't have to do it every year. We well, only have to do it when there's something really really good that came out. The best movie last year was Good Time and that got zero nominations. Florida Project got screwed. Mudbound got screwed. I mean, I thought it was a little interesting. Like, I you know, I know you didn't like the last fifteen minutes, but like, I did think it was interesting. You know, in this year uh, uh, of, you know, I thought it was interesting that um, Lady Bird got completely shut out. Like, you know, in this kind of like. I don't know, this time when... Because it's a teen movie. It's about a teen and her family. It's just not... I think A24 fucked up because they had to pick one movie to campaign and they had Good Time and they had The Florida Project. And if, frankly, uh, I think it might be a sign that uh, the 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 liberal elite are are getting bored with rich white women. I think that's actually what it means. <laughs> it could be true, actually. Mm. Although... I, Lady Bird isn't rich. She's pretty poor in the movie. Well, she's she's like petite bouge, downwardly mobile. Like her dad owns a business, but it closes. That kind of poor. So it's not really poor. It's just not not doing good. And you know Hollywood can't empathize with that. Yeah, ne- uh, uh, neither can I. But what I can <laughs> empathize with the movie that's already getting Oscar buzz for next year for some ungodly reason. And I'm finally going to allow, I'm finally going to cede the floor and let white people talk about it on this uh, podcast now. Black oh, Panther. Finally, finally okay. my freedom of speech finally. restored. Finally. I want to correct the record. This was the big thing. You did the Black Panther episode, which was really great. Um, uh, but there was one piece of white perspective that I, I, I felt that I, I needed to add to it. Uh, and it's that the, the actor whose name you guys are trying to remember was Eugene Levy. <laughs> uh, that's who it was. Uh, you guys are trying to remember who the dorky white guy is in all these movies, uh, and I'm here to say that it was Eugene Levy. As a Jew with Canadian in my blood, uh, I, I don't know if you realize this, but Eugene Levy is our Donny Osmond, so we take this very, very seriously. <laughs> we don't fuck around. So, so everybody knows. So everybody knows. So everybody knows what I thought of Black Panther. Now I'm, I'm going to give the floor. It's the whites. Why don't you guys, you know, just just hash it out. <laughs> just just talk about all okay. your white feelings well, about Leslie, this movie. Leslie, you ruined it for us. That's the fucking problem. Once we saw your take, I couldn't watch it without thinking of that the whole time. Yeah, you did. I blame you. <laughs> I, my uh, uh, my favorite part was I saw it like in an all. I saw it at like the arc light, and I didn't see it. I don't think opening weekend. So then I saw it like during the day, and so I'm pretty sure it was an all white theater. Um, and there was someone who like laughed me- mega loud and clapped. Like we, we, there was just a huge applause at the end of the movie for from an all white theater that felt a little performative uh, uh, for my taste. Mm. It's interesting because um, Black Panther. I, I keep thinking, you know, especially because we did the Christopher Priest book club episode, and I, I keep thinking about that run, and I keep thinking about you know, what the movie would have been if Ava DuVernay maybe did it instead versus Ryan Coogler. I mean, it probably... It, I, it is very surreal to me 
that uh, that Marvel pulled it off. That like they actually made an entertaining film that they could market as you know Pan African, while also having some of you know the whitest themes that you could have. Like the CIA is good, and you know uh, this this idea that that the isolation of Wakanda is Trumpy, and I, I just it's remarkable that they managed to put together this this really these themes that just actually don't apply to the real world at all, but somehow feel like they do. And it's like, oh, of course I want to root for Martin Freeman to to get the vibranium and bring it back to the U.S. Like, then I'm thinking when I'm walking out, wait, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, <laughs> it, it, it is, it shows how tremendously impactful the framing uh, of propaganda can be in storytelling, that you can spin anything with good and evil and with right and wrong and with these very simplistic superhero stories to get any agenda across you want. I I think that I, my ultimate feeling about it is that like, I just don't really like any of these Marvel movies. I think that like the format, like the, 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 you know, the formula they've worked out for these Marvel movies is not appealing to me. I don't like, you know, the, the, I don't like how, you know, they're all on green screen. Like they kind of look like shit. They look like television shows. They have the same kind of, you know, tenor to all of them. So I think that these Marvel movies are mostly not that good and kind of paint by numbers. But I also understand why it's, it's, you know, so important, uh, for people to feel included and why inclusion is such a big deal. So I guess ultimately I feel like, you know, I am happy that black people now get to experience uh, a totally shitty and underwhelming Marvel movie in the same way that I've been able to uh, experience totally shitty (laughs) and underwhelming uh, Marvel movies for years. uh, That's like, that's, that's like Mark Maron's like best joke. He said something like when Obama got elected, he's like, I'm so glad that black people can now feel the same disappointment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you Leslie, know what? You want to hear? Do you, Leslie, do you okay. want to hear uh, uh, a Michael perspective first, or a Jamal perspective first uh, on the movie? Uh, 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 Michael first. Michael first. My, Michael first. Um, okay. Well, I, I thought from what I heard of your debate, I thought Bree was a voice of reason and. I was really disturbed by your and Trevor's rage. <laughs> I was, I was, I've been walking around in a Wakandan accent for a week, being like, "All lives matter." Every single life matters. You cannot, whether black or white, police or not, every single life matter. No, um, I, I just think that. I mean, I. I kind of, well, actually, I'm right. My, my first most simple response is they should have killed uh, the kids. Uh, if you're going to take out the dad, you got to kill the kid. They would have saved themselves a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. Um, but but the they should have definitely cartelled that. That's what the uh, Russians did with that, uh, the ex-Kate, who, like the guy in England? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they should have done they that. They should have done it like the Russians. They should have gone to the basketball court and fucking taken care of business, and then they would have been able to go on. I think... I mean, you know what it is? I actually think inside the universe of the movie, like, you know, look, like, Killmonger isn't a good guy. And they definitively wrote that that way. And especially when, and I say that not because he shot his girlfriends or all that, but when he burned the bush and picked the old lady up, that's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well. Right. So (laughs) he's what he's what they're doing with that character to me is almost like 
he could sit in a line of almost like uh in a weird way like almost like a mugabe type person who's right about revolution might even be really physically courageous and smart and strategic but at the end of the day is just a power hungry asshole Mm -hmm. so i think like okay don't let's not have like a pretend he was actually dope, although it's funny because it triggers people to pretend that he's actually <laughs> dope. Like that's why that's why I like Farrakhan's fun. But in reality, like they're not. I I do think I I just agree though from like a script critique, like that's kind of mind blowing that the first Pan African superhero movie is pivoted around the bad guy having like a pan-African liberation message. That's super bizarre. Now I could see that they, I have no doubt that they justified it by being like, Oh, look, see like Killmonger's the main dude. He's the real strategist. That South African guy's just like a marginal idiot. But at the end of the day, you made a movie where it's like, you know, yeah, it's the first pan-African superhero movie. And the bad guy is the one who's talking about African liberation. Right. Two other it, quick it's... points. I mean, and that's just a fucking bizarre choice as far as I'm concerned. Two mm. other points. I actually think like, and I get wary of getting too deep about this. I think it's a weird choice. I also would say I, I totally think like from just this movie alone, and I'm sure when the sequel, they're going to, they're going to expand the universe specifically like, I think what sometimes people forget is that for all of the kind of just, you know, endless racism that Americans have and, you know, Trump talking about shithole countries and all of that, there is another strand of American. It's smaller, but they kind of think of African, like they sort of are like race. It's like model minority racist. With it's Africans. Disneyland racism. So, it's, it's, right. it's small world yeah, so racism. They, they, they slot Africans with like Asian, like, and again, it's not, this is not in any way desirable at all. It's disgusting in its own way, but it's a different racism. And I have to say that movie to me was very, it was like, okay, like the Africans are these, you know, they're all like these classy Kofi Annan, you know, figures. And the only American black guy in this whole movie is a fucking serial killer. Yeah. That's weird. And uh, last thing. I had already known about it because of all the shit that I heard and read and everything. I, and I didn't have any illusions about, you know, Killmonger as a character. I felt viscerally when the CIA shot those planes down. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and I got into my own wrath of like, you mean the same people that murdered Patrice Lumumba? Like, what? <laughs> um, you know, I'm not yeah. sure that in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that happened. Oh, it, it had to. It had well, to. Well, you know what they did <laughs> they tried to actually, but they tried to, they tried to throw that out because they did these little, like, when he saw, you know, Killmonger, he's like, no, he's one of ours. This is how we teach people to operate. And it's like, you know what? Just shut the fuck up. Like, you've decided that the alliance here is between the CIA and future Africa, Dubai, which is what the <laughs> set looks like. And like, don't, don't try to like throw some like foreign policy depths into it. That's yeah. not well, what and, it is. I, I will say the, that, the you know, zoo- I think oh, that, sorry. sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. Well, I was going to say, and that's why I think the Zoolander ending is so frustrating where it's like, I'm just going to like open a school <laughs> in Oakland 
That's oh, the very, that's God, the Oprah that's Winfrey pathetic. solution. I, I, I could, I but could in reverse. Not, by the end of that, I'm sorry, I keep that, you know, that was probably, that was definitely the pan ultimate, like, because yeah. I'm not even saying, I mean, I'm not even, they could have come out and been like, yo, we have this technology and um, we're like actually very diplomatic and nonviolent and we're, you know, like the guy, he's really, I would say even more so than Obama. He's a lot like Kofi Annan. I'd look up Kofi Annan, like mm. global, classy African guy. Very United Nations. So like, all right, like, here's what we're going to do. Like here, we're going to, all of the millennium development goals are going to be met everywhere where like, you know, people are oppressed, no matter their category, that's stop. And we'll also like help you, uh, you know, whatever. He, it could have been totally nonviolent and friendly, but also like, um, I'm the captain now. He totally could have, I'm the captain now. It. And instead he gave this dumb speech at the UN and then goes to like Oakland to be like, what we need is entrepreneurial activity and a startup <laughs> so they can have a culture where they understand the Tukala... all lives matter. <laughs> out of here. The Takala school for kids who can't read good. I mean, it's, the, yeah, the, big pro- the, the reason yeah. why it ended this way and why there can't be anything aspirational in right. the end of Black Panther is it's just the, an episode of a television show. And right. just like a television show, everything needs to get reset at the end. You know what I mean? Like, Bart's still going no, to school in the like next episode. They could have at least done a couple of shots of him, like, kicking up police officers and like, throwing them <laughs> at their cars and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say blowing up some prisons. Like you could have had the Nas moment, you know, open up any every prison, send them to Wakanda. I mean, come on, you could have done the little, little, little equalizer. Yeah, um, I, I did want to get back you to like the, you, you, know, you like. I like, my notes I like that. If I ruin the world, reference. Yeah, but the, like that's what the movie yeah, was supposed. I think that works. It, that's what the movie was supposed to be, but it it, it totally wasn't. Like Black Panther was just kind of this chumpy uh guy who had no direction no drive no black panther as a character is uninteresting nobody has been talking about black panther the character to call himself yeah since the film it's all these other characters he's just like some guy along for the ride i mean he's thor he's thor in this movie he's like the main character in a video game yeah who doesn't talk doesn't he doesn't he fit though like again if we go to that sort of like model minority version of racism like there, like the idea, like you know, okay, like casting in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the obvious manifestation that, like, all right, we're casting, like, you know, yo man, give me your money, and then yeah. it's like, wait a second, we're terrible, we can't do that anymore. And now, like, all right, everybody, it's like, oh yeah, like here's the black character you see for five seconds. He's a uh, an accountant, lawyer. Doctor Minister, who <laughs> yeah. has never had like an unethical thought in his life, he it's reparations for all the jobs they weren't allowed to have in other movies. Right, he went to like every single Ivy League school, and all he does is contribute to his community. And here he is, and T'Challa kind of reminded me of that sort of character. It's just yeah. like, you know, if anything, he's a little naive, but basically, right. he's just. You know, he because just he's, a, he's a royal. His, his you know, flaw is that like it. he believes too much in the goodness of people or whatever. And right. monarchy. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, though, because you, you alluded to it earlier, uh, you know, and, and mo- most of what annoys me about Black Panther, to be totally honest, is like everything, the reaction by the world. Like, you know, it, it's one thing for mm-hmm. Disney to sort of like 
try to make a movie like this. And it's one, it's also fine for people to like feel excited by it if they legitimately feel excited about it. But you know, the immediate like sort of deification of everything uh, these days is uh, a little bit annoying. And so, you know, I, I do think that the, you know, the Afrofuturism, um, you know, that was so lauded, uh, I don't think was all that interesting. No, it <laughs> I don't wasn't. think it was like you know, uh, Afro- all that thought out. No, the Afrofuturism is cool, but um, basically, but uh, T said on the shows, like the most impressive thing was like an Apple store and some, tra- <laughs> some trains, uh, maglev right. trains. Like we have those in real life. Like there was yeah. nothing in this, almost nothing in Wakanda that we saw that you can't actually just see in Africa now for her, uh, the most part. Also, the right. Idea. I mean, Africa, Africa's booming. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's booming in a way that, you know, like everywhere else, it's tremendously unequal and abusive and exploitive of a lot of people. But like, I think, I guess people still don't have the understanding. Like, you're, like, I mean, Kenya, are you kidding me? There's like high speed rail, all sorts of development projects. I mean, this yeah. is like, this is a fast-growing continent as far as, you know, tech and those types of things they're emphasizing. I, Yeah, I mean, that, that's also true. And as I say, it kind of looks like Singapore or Dubai. Or yeah, something. right. It didn't really, it was just sort of like, okay. You know? It just was like, it was like a, a marketplace, you know, with like Dubai just like bolted on top of it. <laughs> Which know, also, like an market, yeah, the only thing that Which is about as lazy, like, that's truly like if that, somebody told me I had like 10 minutes to think of like a futuristic like African city, I'd be like, I don't know, like a marketplace and a fucking tall building. I don't know. <laughs> which which makes no sense because Wakanda is isolationist, so they wouldn't be engaging in global capital. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they give a yeah. shit. Yeah, why are they using the same guy, construction guys as, as Dubai? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it was, it was, you know. But I guess I'm salt that like I, I think it was like a perfectly serviceable movie. Like I was sure. entertained enough. I, I actually another f really screwed up thing is legitimately, like I liked, um, I liked the general. I liked Lapita, but the other kind of hilarious fucked up thing about it is just like as a pure like charisma scene eating like schlocky performance. The dude who played Claw was by far the most entertaining person in the movie. Like it's Andy down. Circus. Andy Circus. Uh, yeah, they wasted yeah. him. He wasn't in a golem suit this time. <laughs> Andy Circus no, is mean, so it was funny. Amazing to me. how much he just stood out. Like in this whole, and he should have been like you know, kind of a piece of shit afterthought. But he was by far the most charismatic in the whole movie. It's weird because like this is his first live action major role, and. Yeah, I mean, I typically know. he's I, I the. I felt like he was kind of wait. Yeah, he's he's usually he's a, the motion monkey. capture guy. Like you know, he's used. Well, to, I thought so, he nailed it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, well, look, you movie, would, uh, Michael. Uh, you are white. Um, the, of course, the white <laughs> people are going to elevate the white characters. Of course, of course. See, the, I see, do, this, well, this, especially the white character that snuck into Wakanda. I, totally <laughs> yeah. I, I identified with Shuri on a personal <laughs> level, physically and emotionally. We we are the same, dude. dude I saw a post. I saw a post the other day where somebody was like, they were being, ha- they were like, posting this as like a good thing. It's like a Korean man said that he didn't think black women were attractive until he saw Shuri. I'm like. Is that supposed to be a good thing now? <laughs> like, oh no! Like, is that something to celebrate? <laughs> Thanks, Disney. I knew, you knew, 
as we as we do sketch like Korean men discovering black women. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had no. You have to like you would have to make that extremely stereotypical. Be like I had no idea that I saw black oh, men. <laughs> a guy like all of a sudden he starts looking at all sorts of bizarre porn. <laughs> so, so you, like, you're oh, a... this is great. Like, <laughs> this is this is. This is 21st century woke progress. It's like now he's just reverse fetishizing that what he racially dismissed before. That's amazing. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. It's the Joss Whedon effect. <laughs> Did you... Um, no. Today so I, I don't know. announce I'm not racist anymore. Uh, you feel free to congratulate me. So, right. Uh, right. I don't know. I know you're, you're a New Yorker, Michael. So I was definitely yeah. curious how your reaction was to the announcement that David Chase is making a Sopranos prequel movie that takes place in the 60s and is about racial tensions between Italian Americans and black Americans and it's it's I mm. believe I believe it's going to be about Junior Soprano or one of his crew members I'm I mean dude I love the Sopranos so I'll see it I actually thought he did a when they took race on in Sopranos, they usually did a pretty good job of it, mainly just because they kind of like all they really were doing was basically dunking on the like unbelievable, just sort of, you know, naked hypocrisies, and just kind of filthiness mm -hmm. of these people, which is pretty easy, but a lot of people don't do it. And they did it effectively. Like there's this, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in Sopranos, and it's not like a big standout scene but um, Tony and his brother-in-law and his sister and, and Carmela, they're like, they're on like some vacation upstate or something. And they're just sort of like barbecuing and having beers or whatever. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Tony's brother-in-law is talking about his old man. Like, his, you know, he's like, yeah, my old man actually, uh, you know, came into the country illegally, like through Canada. And they're all just kind of chuckling about it. And they're just like kind of marveling at like, yeah, wow. Like, we made it in America, right? And of course, like his old mm -hmm. man was a fucking hitman, right? <laughs> who came into the country, like literally a hitman who came to the country illegally and is part of like a major mafia operation. And then <laughs> they pause and, and, and one of them's just like, they got to steal the border up now though, I'll tell you, man. It's <laughs> 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 just perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I want to, yeah, I've I mean, been Sopranos, wanting to... Sopranos is great. I do want it to be good. I, I do wonder if Sopranos and David Chase will be the only thing that's been able to, like, buck the something that's gone for a long time coming back curse. Uh, I mean, Not Fade Away, <laughs> if you saw that, is a terrible, terrible movie. And it's just about uh, David Chase made, like, a movie about when he was a kid he started a band or something. It's not good. But, I God, I am so desperate to see 19-year-old Polly Walnuts. I mean, so honestly, like, there, there are those elements of it to me that I'm like... I'm gonna like this. No matter, like, even if it's not as good, even if it shouldn't be made, like, I'm gonna like seeing Sopranos characters as young men. I can't deny it. I, I also think. I also just think that it, it it is actually like, I mean, whatever. First and foremost, hopefully it'll be entertaining and cool. But like, I think like that line that I just mentioned that the Sopranos is Trump. Like that. It's mm -hmm. it's super relevant. Like, in, in some ways, it's funny. We were talking about The Wire earlier, and, like, The Wire was, I mean, it was definitely Bush era because it was, you know, unfolding or paralleling Iraq and, you know, deindustrialization, but it was also Obama. It was also, like, mm -hmm. 
you know, Democrats who had some good intentions, but at the end of the day, like, we're just totally warped by all of these institutions and capital and everything. And I think the Sopranos, though, the Sopranos is about a bunch of disgusting people in the suburbs with, like, endless grotesque personal appetites <laughs> and, like, endless fears and hypocrisies. Like, that's Trump. Yeah. And I just, I, I think it's, like, right in line with where we're at. I love The Sopranos. I mean, I it's the best show ever made. Uh, and you're good. absolutely right that it's not as much a show about the mafia as it is just like a show about shitty suburbanites. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and that's who's drove. Like, I know we make this point all the time because, and, you know, I don't reduce it. Like, of course, racism and sexism and xenophobia are a major part of Trump winning. It would be dumb for us to deny that. But at the same time, like, it wasn't this like white working class revolt. His 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 base voter is a Republican base voter, and it's some fucking asshole with like a you know who owns the a McMansion. couple of like fucking subway chain shops and drives a fucking suburban and is a piece of shit. And they <laughs> did that so well in The Sopranos, where they were like, "All right, we're not going to be naive here." Like, of course, Tony's neighbor, his doctor, is not as bad as he is because he doesn't kill people. But at the same time, like, yeah, they're both pretty much garbage. <laughs> it's a bunch of arty bucos. <laughs> yeah, they're all fucking terrible. It's almost and too bad that The Sopranos is about the mafia because if it was just about suburbanites, people would get to see that they're vile without, uh, uh, you know, having to also make them criminals. <laughs> right. But I think that, you know, I think that that's how you get it done by yeah. making them mafia. And I just think that, like, you could, if you're, you're and, and there's no doubt that all of these people would be, you know, they'd be wearing MAGA hats and everything <laughs> in between, like, trying to set up, like, whatever the new things are, like ripping credit cards on like off-brand porn sites or whatever those, like whatever those crews. This, be this season now. would be about I some mean, cryptocurrency it, thing uh, with Christopher, yeah, exactly. some Bitcoin bullshit. Sorry. Oh, that would uh, oh, be so fucking good. To watch. Like Tony, it's all on the internet. I don't know about <laughs> fucking Bitcoin. Oh, that'd be so great. <laughs> I love, I love that. Tony Soprano line where he said, I, I've used this way too many times. He said, like, he said, don't shit where you eat, and particularly don't shit where I eat. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, but man, I'll see it. I mean, you know, whatever. We'll see, and if it sucks, it sucks. So, what are you going to do? So, so, Michael, that thing you said about Andy Circus is really bothering me. It's like, I gave you you white devils a platform to talk about Black Panther, and you go and you praise the white yeah. devils Afrikaner in this film. So actually, I want you to call up a friend, and I want his perspective on Black mm -hmm. Panther. I want to hear from mm -hmm. Nation of Islam Obama on Black Panther. All right, I'm going to do that in a second. I just got to tell you guys really quick, just as a plug, uh, the animations are coming, and the animator... Uh, who's animating some sketches for the Michael Brooks show. He's, I don't know if I have permission to say it, but he's a director on a very big animated show. And he just gave me the Obama sketch and Nation of Islam Obama is wearing a bow tie and a fez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the first is, is me is being like, you're going to look at Lena Dunham and talk about white superiority. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm sorry you have to share, share a city with her. Um, okay. But let me see if I could, if I could find uh, 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 the president. 
uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, this struggle session? Yes. <laughs> yes, Mr. President. I uh, hear, okay. Devils are here. Yes. Yeah, yeah we're uh, here Leslie? too. Yes, they, the devils are still here. Why are you still, too, why are you still talking with me? They're going to they're gonna rub the melanin off of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a contract, sir. I can't get out Pretty of it. Pretty soon you'll be sitting in a vat of Mountain Dew watching girls. <laughs> How do you know? So, uh, look, I'm assuming that the two uh, white boys like Black Panthers. Uh, they they were okay on it. Um, their favorite character in four. No, oh, yeah, they're trying. They're trying to front for you. Believe it. They love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that the devil's satisfied with more when he sees a castrated black man because they can pat themselves on the back for being in solidarity with our struggle, but take comfort in the fact that they'll never be held accountable. Brother Leslie, uh, I, I I agree. I agree. Uh, your words have meant so much to me, and I really just wanted to get you on here. And, you know, because people didn't really listen to me when I said it, but I, I felt like we probably saw the same film, and we saw the same devious, devilish me- messages in this film. So I just want, want well, you as president let to speak me, Let me tell you something. Look, first of all, hashtag Killmonger was right. Yes. <laughs> Secondly, T'Challa's a bitch. <laughs> Thirdly... Angela Bassett, those dreads are looking floppy. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, no, not Auntie Angela, no. <laughs> hey, hey, look. I didn't tell her to raise T'Challa, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why is this the only one raising a real man in Wakanda's in Oakland? That's my question. <laughs> but I got to, look, look, let me be clear. I got to hold you accountable, though, Brother Leslie. What do we always say? Um, uh, don't listen to the white devil. Never. Don't listen to the white man. Yes. Right. I saw you. You spent months. You were all excited. You were sweating all over your joystick or whatever the fuck it is you do with your dumb white co-host. Because <laughs> a Black Panther's coming out. Finally, we're going to be seen on the screen. You know who owns Marvel Comics, Brother Leslie? Um... Is it's a white man. The white man. You know why Bill Cosby got hit up with all those charges? Because he was about to buy NBC, brother. <laughs> so when you look at the reality and you understand the science, the motivation of this devil, you know that he can never let us win. But Mr. Pre- Mr. President, this, they told the college, the, college, they told college talking about the caves, brother. <laughs> so you should have been known. You should have been stealing yourself that this devil would betray us. This devil would make this piece of filth to mock us. <laughs> he's he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> he put the call up there. Another like respect for my presence. Like I wish Obama talked like that. Skinny teddy bear. Uh. Go to the United Nations to give vibraniums to some fucking Swedes, and then open up a a mill for the dispossessed in Oakland instead of giving them weaponry to free them from bondage. So you know what it is. Yeah, it was shameful. It was shameful. Uh, and your devil and your devil co-host know it too. And Bree gotta wake up. Akbar. Thank you so much. Akbar. 
<laughs> Someone told me once they said, recently, they were like, they said, I feel like Nation of Islam Obama is the closest to your internal monologue. And I was like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he basically speaks for me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate guys, it. It's always a pleasure. I love doing stuff with you guys. I love struggle sessions. Yeah, this was a great oh, time. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah, Michael Brooks show. Pa- yeah, man. Patreon.com slash TMBS show, right? Or did I fuck it up? Pa- we subscribe. Patreon.com slash TMBS. TMBS. Oh, yes. I nailed it. See, we, Hell yeah. we don't use it. Yeah, you nailed it. We're, co- we're cooking. Yeah. We're cooking. We, we, we're I thought it was TMBS. Uh, I'm like, that's really short. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good URL. Well, the, yeah, pro- the problem is, it's Jack, a, we can't use yeah. our um, initials. <laughs> yeah, that was something we didn't think about before we uh, mm. before we chose this name. Um, yeah, bad bad history with cooking. those two. All of this yeah. stuff is uh, all these things are moving along. Um, yeah, guys, uh, talk to you soon. Let's yeah. do a lot more. Good talk talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Right, Bye. Bye. experience from the bucolic hills of western massachusetts to the bustling metropolis of washington dc we bring you cultural phenomenon dystopian futures apocalyptic politics join us on a journey of humor rage and disgust and add beast coast wherever you get your podcasts see you soon like what you hear want to hear more Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.